If you have a Bible tonight, turn with me uh, to 2 Samuel chapters 8 and then chapter 9. Uh, in chapter 8, we want to look at David's victory. And when we come to chapter 9, it's the kindness that David displays to Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth is an interesting character. In a lot of cultures, they would have nothing to do with uh, uh, the maimed and the lame, and they kind of, uh, you know, put them off as castaways. And we see that even in the New Testament uh, where uh, they had to help them to get to the temple or outside of the temple or at the various pools uh, uh, and, and, and basically begging for alms. And we know that Jesus reached out to them. And so here's the precedent uh, in chapter 9. You're going to see David uh, reach out uh, to Mephibosheth. He's not a, a young boy anymore. He started out about five years old. Uh, he's in early 20s now. And so yet because we, we see him with a child at the end. But David reached out to him. Now, we looked in previous chapter uh, of 2 Samuel chapter 7, David, uh, his covenant promise from God. And I wanted to bring that forth to you. The same promise that was given to David, this covenant, this binding covenant, it was given to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses, to Joshua, and, and now to David, and basically to all the patriarchs that were used mightily of God. And this is what the Lord said to these patriarchs. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I want to add to that tonight. If you're born again of the Holy Spirit here tonight, uh, that same promise is to you. That same promise is to me. No matter what you're going through, the promise is, I will never leave you nor forsake you, uh, saith the Lord. Now, there's times you, you can... Uh, Think, well, God, you're not there. I can't feel you. I, I don't sense you at all. It's dry. And I can honestly tell you that's when God is working the most. This is when your faith is uh, tested. Because, see, we don't walk by feelings. We, we want, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. And you might feel the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to take that away from you. But we don't walk by feelings. We walk by faith. That's what the Scripture says. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to suffer. That doesn't mean we're not going to go through a trials and tribulation and hardship, hardship that is, and pain. And we know David has suffered greatly already, and he's going to suffer more. But remember what we were studying in Acts chapter 16. And then we made reference uh, to Acts chapter 9 when Paul had come to salvation in the Damascus uh, highway. Now, we know that he goes to Ananias' house, we know that God tells Ananias, I want you to lay hands on this guy. Uh, I'm going to remove the scales from his eyes. He's been blind for three days. But remember that passage that we read in Acts chapter 9. And God tells Ananias, he will suffer for my name's sake. But he is a chosen vessel of, of mine, saith the Lord. Paul was called to bear witness of God's name to the Gentiles, to kings, to magistrates, to rulers, and also to the children of Israel. And it just seems if you're serving God, it just seems if you're called to ministry, whatever capacity it might be, expect the trials. Expect the testings in your life. It's a way that God works in and through us because we have to trust him. I'm always reminded when I'm praying because I go, Lord, why is this happening to so-and-so? Uh, why is this happening uh, to this person, that person? Because uh, I know exactly what they're going through. And the Lord reminds me, uh, wasn't he with Daniel in the lion's den? Wasn't, wasn't he with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego uh, in the fiery furnace? No matter what we go through... God is there, and I will never leave you nor forsake you. If anybody experienced that, it's King David. And we know that Saul, even though uh, there was times he didn't trust God, God was still with him until finally the Lord said, that's enough, when he did not take care of uh, the Amalekite king. And so let's begin here. And again, David's conquest and such. 
<clears throat> David's victories in 2 Samuel chapter 8. Now, if you're taking notes, because it's important, I'm going to draw from it. Uh, there's always a cross-reference uh, when we get to the Chronicles, and we'll, sometimes we'll get it deeper. And so the references here in, in 2 Samuel chapter 8 is Chronicles chapter 18, 1 Chronicles. After this, it came to pass that David attacked the Philistines and subdued them. And David uh, took Metheg uh, and Amah uh, from the hand of the Philistines. Not much is known about uh, this city other than God gave David the victory. There were strongholds, we know this, uh, in the city of Gath. Now, Gath is one of the five cities of the Philistines. And God gave David victory over them. Look at verse 2. Then he defeated Moab, forcing them down to the ground. Listen to this. He measured them off with a line, most likely a rope. With two lines, he measured off those to be put to death, and with one line, those to be kept alive. So the Moabites became David's servants, and listen to this. They worked for David, and they brought him tribute. And David basically put it into the treasury, I believe. Now, this is pretty radical when we get to verses 1 and 2. He, he, he takes out the Philistines, and now he takes out the Moabites. Uh, look at the victories that God gave David, and he knew it came from the Lord. First the Philistines, now the Moabites. And David made the Moabites to lie down. Listen to this. In a row, he measured off the groups, most likely with a rope, measured off a second group, and then he executed for every one group to be spared. Now, when you look at the things of the Old Testament, God was hardcore. He meant business. And he took out the Philistines and he took out uh, the Amalekites, even though Saul didn't do it. And now the Moabites. And it just it doesn't phase God that he has to do these things. I know we get frustrated in our humanity, and we say, well, what's God doing? And that's where you get those people that come to you. Well, I thought you guys serve a loving and kind God, but he'll always judge sin. Look at verse 3. David also defeated uh, Hadad-Ezer, the son of Rehob, uh, a king of Zobah, and he went to recover his territory, listen to this, in the area of the river Euphrates. So David goes northward now, we know that, to Hadad-Ezer. And this Hadad-Ezer worked for the Ammonites. David took back the lands of the Euphrates, previously taken in various battles. So, you know, David's going back. And he's choosing his battles, but he's taking back what the enemy took from him. I want you to mark a verse down. I've often quoted it, but I want to give you the verse. In Joel chapter 2, verse 25, the King James says it like this. God says he will restore uh, to you the years that the canker worm has eaten. And I want you to think of the nation of Israel and all the judgments that God brought upon them. And God allowed the canker worms. God allowed uh, the pesticides. God allowed all those things to take place in Israel. He, he was against them when they were not serving the Lord. Now, as I was thinking of this canker worm, what do you think our United States of America is going through? We don't even have any knowledge but the canker worm has been eating us alive. And it's just a matter of time. And I'm convinced if we were to repent as a nation, God would restore what the canker worm has stolen, what the canker worm has eaten. The canker worm is a representative of Satan. And he's, what, he's on a mission to search and destroy. And that's your life, that's my life. And I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt, the only reason judgments still haven't come to the United States is because the church, the body of Christ, is still here. What's going to happen if and when the Lord desires to bring forth the rapture of the church in our time or uh, any other time? But sooner or later, it's going to happen. 
I believe there's somebody walking around that has one, a sign in his back, last one, basically. Look at verse 4 now. David took from him, and listen to the disastrous, uh, you know, victories here. 1,000 chariots, 700 horsemen, 20,000 foot soldiers. Also, David hamstrung all the chariot horses, except that he spared enough of them for 100 chariots. Victory. And then taking the spoils was very great. Now, the word hamstrung here is uh, that they were crippled, uh, the chariot horses. But David only kept uh, 100. And this is the products of war. I know people that, you know, love the animals and such. And I'm not against the animals. But, you know, you read things of this nature. You mean God crippled those, allowed them to be crippled? And there's a purpose, there's a reason. This is why sometimes when he goes into various nations and they destroy men, women, and children and the animal life. And again, you, you can ask all the questions you want. And notice in verse 5, when the Syrians of Damascus came to help, had that Ezer, king of Zobah, David killed off of them 22,000 of the Syrians. God's hand is upon David. Now, obviously, it's not just David doing the killing. But as David led the armies, if God goes before us, who can be against us? The scripture says no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. When you're in God's will, he is going to go before you, and this is David now. There's no division uh, in Israel. Division's coming later. David's been reigning about 10 years now. Notice in verse uh, 6, Then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, and Syrians became David's uh, servants and brought tribute again. And so the Lord preserved David wherever he went. Listen to the word preserved uh, in the Hebrew. David was kept safe. David was kept free from danger. God protected him. And again, many times when you, even those of us that follow Israeli wars, and you go onto the internet, you can look up Israeli wars, and it's always amazing to me. Uh, they're totally outnumbered, but God goes before them. And then they interview later, uh, in years to come, the enemies, why did you flee? Why? Well, there was thousands. There was thousands of tanks, and there was one. And there was hundreds of, of you know, Israelis. So uh, God goes before them. I, I believe angels would go out there. Now, how God preserved David safely and freely. And David, when you're in God's will, David was in God's will. He's going to bless you. Now, I want you to write it down. You know the scriptures. We've shared it many times. Deuteronomy chapter 27 and Deuteronomy chapter 28. Uh, it speaks about the curses and the blessings. The curses come when you're disobedient. The blessings come when you're obedient. And I've shared it many times. I want to be obedient. I want blessings. I don't want cursings. And yet David felt the wrath of God. He's not exempt, but right now David is serving the Lord. The nation of Israel is serving the Lord, but it's going to be short-lived. You'll see, especially when we get into the kings. Look at verse 7 now. And David took the shields of gold that had belonged to the servants of Hadad-Ezer and brought them to Jerusalem. Uh, this was uh, the payment, if you may. This was the wealth given. The spoils taken. And so again, uh, it, it was perfect. Now notice in verse 8, also from Betha and from Bertaya, uh, cities of Hadad-Ezer, King David took a large amount of bronze. Very important here. Or brass, either way. We don't know much about the cities other than they were uh, known for their bronze. Now I want you to take notes on this. In 1 Chronicles chapter 18, verse 8, it tells us that Solomon used the brass to make the brazen sea, which was part of the tabernacle. When we were going through 
uh, the book of Exodus, we spoke about all of the furnishings and such that were part of it. And if you remember the entrance, there's this big uh, bathtub, if you may, and it's setting up in pillars. And, and it held an enormous amount of water uh, where the priest would bathe before they went in uh, to worship the Lord and to gather from the Lord. And if I, I can remember, I didn't get the, the, the scriptures, but go back into Exodus and you can find it. It, it was pretty good size. So uh, here's where the bronze came from. And so again, these things were taken. David stored them later on. Uh, they used them. When uh, Toai, uh, king of Hamath, heard that David had defeated all the army of uh, Hadad-Ezer, this is verse 9, so uh, this king, Toai, was an enemy of Hadad-Ezer. It's obviously that it pleased him. Then David was victorious. Watch the next verse. Look at verse 10. Then Toai... Uh, sent Joram, his son, to King David uh, to greet him and to bless him because he had fought against Hadad-Ezer and defeated him. For Hadad-Ezer had been at war with Toai, and Joram brought with him articles of silver, articles of gold, and articles of bronze. Now, I like this. He's happy. So this guy, Toi, uh, sends his son bearing gifts. Was the motive that he was fearful? Or was the motive was he was very respectful? Uh, could be both. But David's getting rewards for this. Notice verse 11, King David also dedicated these to the Lord, uh, along with the silver, the gold that, had, uh, that he had dedicated from all the nations, which he have subdued. Now, I want to spend a little time here. King David dedicated to the Lord the silver, the gold, uh, the things that gathered, not just here, but in previous nations. Even though we might not read it, David dedicated it unto the Lord. I like this. And here's the question. Do I dedicate unto the Lord what he gives me? What he gives this ministry, what he gives you, do you dedicate it unto the Lord? Not only to dedicate it unto the Lord, but are we thankful? Thank you, Lord. Lord, we give this back to you. You've given it to us, but I give it back to you. That, that's what tithing and offering is all about. As God gives to you, you give back a portion to him. But do we do it from the heart or do we do it reluctantly? Uh, here comes the offering plate again. Uh, David dedicated it unto the Lord. David was grateful. Uh, David didn't have a problem with sharing either. We'll see that when it comes to Mephibosheth. But be thankful in the things you have. Be thankful. Not just uh, around November, Thanksgiving time, right? Notice verse 12 now. And we'll speak more about it. From Syria from Moab, from the people of Amnon, Ammon, uh, from the Philistines, from Amalek, and from the spoils of Hadad-Ezer, the son of Rehob, uh, king of Zobah. So David also dedicated these gifts, then placed them, uh, I believe, in the temple uh, treasury uh, because later Solomon uses quite a bit uh, to build God's temple. David wasn't allowed to build the temple of the Lord. Our Sunday offer, offerings on Sunday morning, as we receive the offering, we never take the offering. We receive the offering, and we pray. That's why we pray over it. We might not make a long-gated prayer, but we pray over it. Uh, the guys that count and then get ready to take it to the bank, uh, we night deposit. And these guys are, are told from uh, the leadership, you, you need to pray. Thank you, Lord, for the gifts. Lord, bless the gifts. And God has been very gracious uh, to our church through the years. We sense that David was so in tune with this portion of 
being thankful unto the Lord. And, and before I go any farther, please, and whatever God gives you, be thankful. Be thankful. And we've shared this so many times, and it's a hard one. Am I only thankful in the good things, or am I thankful in the bad things? Because God's using that in my life. God's teaching me through it. I don't want to go through the bad things, but yet God allows them. I don't want to be broke. I don't want to be owing bills. I don't want to be losing a car. I don't want to be losing a house. But those things happen. Do we know how to be thankful? And what God's doing here, because later uh, Solomon's going to build an elaborate temple. Notice verse 13. And David made himself a name. Now, David didn't go around promoting himself. But what it's saying, in the victories and, and the way David uh, was doing the things that he was doing, the leadership of David was just uh, uh, phenomenal. Everybody followed him. They loved him. Uh, where King Saul did not lead properly, uh, David made himself a name when he returned from killing. Listen to this. 18,000 Syrians in the Valley of Salt. It, it's south of the Dead Sea area. And so basically, either you hated David or you loved him. Either you hated David and uh, like it or not, you respected him. I remember when one of his wives, Michal, was making uh, fun of him because David had taken off his outer garments and he was dancing unto the Lord. He was rejoicing unto the Lord. David, that's why the scriptures say, and David was a sinner. I'm not taking away from that. We're going to see that as we continue. Right now, David's in, in God's glory and God's kingdom right now. He's doing what God's called him to do. This is why uh, you find that phrase about David. He was a man after God's own heart. And yet he's going to commit adultery. He's going to, I mean, everything. It's, it's just going to be part of it. Think about it. Notice now in verse uh, 14. He also put garrisons in Edom. And throughout all Edom, he, he put down, he put garrisons and in all the Edomites became David's servants again. And the Lord preserved David. He kept David. He kept David again, sustained David. As we had read earlier, God protected him. Now these were previously uh, destroyed and now uh, David's repairing them and strengthening and making garrisons there. Now, praise God, it's, you know, they don't have the weaponry we have today and everything would have been wiped out. But they went back in and got them ready, got them fortified. And then God used them uh, for the nation of Israel. But again, remember that God preserved David. I like that. He had his hand upon David. And now we conclude the chapter. It, it's called David's administration. And, and again, that's taken out of 1 Chronicles chapter 18. And so in verse 15 and 16, so David reigned over all Israel, and David administered judgment and justice to all his people. God showed David how to construct government in the church. If you go back, you want to follow good government, you start with the life of Moses. And Moses was the head over Israel, but above Moses was God. Same thing with David. Same thing with David. And it worked uh, the way God orchestrated it. Now, notice in verse 16, uh, Joab, the son of Zariah, uh, was over the army. Uh, Jehoshaphat, the son of Hilud, was a recorder. Now, basically, one of the commentaries said, what we're going to study here, the conclusion of chapter uh, 8 here, is David's cabinet. And these were his workers. Now, notice uh, Joab was in charge of the armies. Obviously, we studied that before. But the recorder here is Jehoshaphat. And Yes, they were the copyists uh, in the Old Testament and such, but these recorders, uh, 
for David and for Solomon was this guy Jehoshaphat, and Joah, J-O-A-H, was for Hezekiah uh, and Josiah when we get into those kings, but they kept the books for uh, the kings. Listen to this. This is what they were keeping in the books. All the complaints, all the petitions, uh, and then they were being made known to David. And, and so David would know. And so that's the beauty uh, of having the leadership as it works its way down. Uh, look at verse 17 and 18 now. Uh, Zodok, uh, the son of Ahitub, and uh, Ahimelech, the son of Abiathar, were the priests. Uh, Sarai was the scribe. More of David's cabinet. Now, this is what I was trying to share earlier. Uh, Old Testament scribes uh, numbered the troops. Then later, they transcribed the documents, the important writings and such. And so in the New Testament, they were the copyists of the law. In verse 18, Benaniah, the son of uh, Jehoiada, uh, was over both the uh, uh, Chesarites and the Pelaites, and, and David's son were chief ministers. I don't want to read those names again. These were not priests, but they were considered chief rulers. And so David had his cabinet. David had his people. Uh, David was the king. Instructions came from God, given to David, and then David uh, would distribute. And, and that's good leadership. I obviously cannot do everything that's done here at the chapel, and we have capable leadership. Now, before we get into 2 Samuel chapter 9, David's kindness to Mephibosheth. This is Jonathan's son. He was lame. He was crippled. His feet uh, were not capable of use. Uh, happened when he was a, a youngster and uh, his, uh, the nanny or whatever you want to call her, she escaped with him and dropped him and he fell and uh, he was lame, but he stayed and she hid him. And David wants to know, remember this is about 10 years later. And so if there's anybody left in Saul's household, David loved King Saul. Let me read to you a little bit of something that a commentary said before we got into the chapter. When David was exalted to be king over all Israel, he sought to show compassion to the house of the fallen King Saul and to repay the love with which his noble-minded friend Jonathan had once sworn to him before the Lord. The account of this forms the conclusion of the first section of the history of his reign and was intended to show how David was mindful of the duty of the gratitude and the loving friendship even when he reached the highest point of his reign, his authority, and his glory. The date when this occurred was about the middle of David's reign now. As, he, as we may see uh, from the fact that Mephibosheth who is about five years old now. He's probably in his 20s. In 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, a maidservant previously fell with him. And so now he's a young adult. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, David's kindness to Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son, lame since he was a youngster. It says in verse 1, Now David said, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? David and Jonathan, we know, were great, great friends. And we shared so much about uh, their relationship. And there are those that try to make it a homosexual relationship. And you can't take it there. If any of you have ever had a good friend, I have had a good friend. He passed away. I mean, we were thick and thin to, through everything. And uh, I mean, I understand the relationship and the love and the compassion uh, that a man could have for another man uh, without you know, having sexual relationships. And people try to read into this and make it that. And the same thing they do with Jesus and, and his affection towards Mary Magdalene and some that say that that was his wife. And they take these things, you know, I just don't understand it. 
But uh, that's how the enemy works. So David and Jonathan were great friends. And David set up now, seeks Saul's family to help. Saul and Jonathan were killed at Mount Gilboa, that is, by the Philistines in 2 Samuel chapter 1. Remember, David and Jonathan made a pact. They made a promise. They made a covenant unto each other. This is why David now is seeking anybody in Saul's family. Now, he doesn't know about Mephibosheth. And remember, David loved King Saul. He wasn't against his king. He loved him. And yet King Saul's trying to kill him. And remember the opportunities that David had, that he could have killed Saul and his men told him, David, look, God put him there for you. Take him out. I will not touch God's anointed. David was very, very strict about that, and I respect that of David. In verse in verse 2, and there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. Uh, so when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, At your service. Ziba was a servant uh, to Saul. Listen to this now, verse 3. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show uh, the kindness of God? Now, that's very important to me. You might show kindness. I might show kindness. But do we show the kindness of God? Very important to me. Because I can say, well, I'm, I'm kind to Rick, and, and yet, you know, I could be mean too. But do I have the kindness of God? And you know where I see that kindness again? When Jesus is dying on the cross, what does he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so when, when David heard that there was a son of Jonathan, listen, and he says, to whom I may show kindness of God. And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame at his feet. Did David even know about Mephibosheth? But when he said, Jonathan, I'm trying to read, as I study this, this must have gripped David's heart. It must have skipped a beat because he loved Jonathan. And now, is this the first time he finds out about Jonathan's son? The kindness was deep-seated because of it was God-given covenant between him and Jonathan. You see, David never forgot that. And remember when uh, Jonathan warned David concerning the arrows that were going to be shot? They made up that plan. And I want you to think of Jonathan is supposed to be loyal to his dad, his father. And he's the king. But he knew his dad's heart. And he knew David's heart. I believe he knew and he understood David was to be the next king. David was to be the, the good king. Saul's kingdom was taken away when he did not kill Agag, the king of the Amalekites, and he did not destroy all the Amalekites. He brought back choice sheep, remember? In verse 4, so the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is at the house of Mitre, uh, the son of Amiel, and Labor, Lo Debar. David's heart has to be racing, listen to this, with joy, has to be racing with gladness. David wants to show kindness. And, and I could just sense that David is just thanking the Lord. To have somebody as a member of Saul's family, but most of all, it's Jonathan's son. Oh, this had to strike David uh, in the heart a good way. Uh, then King David, verse 5, uh, sent and brought him out of the house of uh, Mishur, uh, the son of Emil, from the boar. Uh, this La de Boar is somewhere in the area of Jordan. I looked it up, and 
I don't know anything else about it. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, Saul would be his grandfather, had come to David, he fell on his face, and he prostrated himself. Then David said to Mephibosheth, and he answered, here, here is your servant. Now, you have to ask, I mean, here's this kid, he's lame, but he comes to David. Was he carried in? Was he helped in? Uh, did he drag himself in? But he prostrate himself. Was it in fear? Listen. Or was it in reverence? Either way, such generosity to fall uh, upon arrival as David showed restoring himself uh, to his king. Mephibosheth no doubt heard the stories. Mephibosheth probably knew that his dad or his grandfather lost the kingdom and now it's given to David and now he's before him. Did he know the love that his dad, Jonathan, had with David? But I just see such beautiful joy here. Notice now, Again, you have to ask yourself the question, was he bowing, was he prostrating in fear or reverence? So David said to him, do not fear. David sensed he was in fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Uh, now, this statement alone, is precious. It just doesn't happen every day. David's a king. He would have nothing to do with this Mephibosheth. But there's a covenant that David made with Jonathan. And I want you to see this. The kindness that David is trying to show is from the Lord. This type of kindness equates mercy. And so, if you bestow kindness on somebody, don't neglect the mercy. If you bestow kindness, don't neglect the, the love, the compassion, the grace, everything that goes with it. Well, I'm going to be kind to you, brother. Here's a half a sandwich. Be careful when we do it out of necessity. It has to come from the heart. It has to come from the heart. You have all heard my stories, and especially when I tell you I passed somebody, and I'm not going to help them. I'm busy. I'm going straight. And the Spirit of the Lord says, oh, you're busy, huh? What did you preach Sunday? Aren't you going to help that guy? Aren't you going to help? Aren't you? And I have to make a U-turn. And some of you have come and told me I have to go back sometime. This girl gave me too much money at the cashier. I had to go back and give it to her. That comes from conviction of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. I love when they give me extra money because I know I'm going to give it back, and I love their reaction. You're giving it back? Yeah, it's not mine. I won't be able to sleep. I go, here, you gave me too much. And sometimes it can be, a, they can change, they can give you change for uh, a 20, and you only gave them a dollar or five dollars. And so... Remember that, please. Kindness equates with mercy. And, and this is where uh, David is right now with Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth is blown away. Look at verse 8. Then he bowed himself and he said, What is it, your servant, that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And this guy's getting down on himself. And when I, when I read this years ago, and I marked it in all my Bibles, I hear, King, I, I hear Saul's heart, uh, which is Paul the Apostle. I hear Paul's heart. Remember what Paul said? I am the chief sinner. I am the chief of sinners. And so his, here's Mephibosheth, and he's saying, what am I, a dog? Now, you have to understand the culture. I, I want to read out of the three uh, different uh, Bibles that I like to use. First of all, the Amplified. What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I am? That's the Amplified. The New Living Translation says this. 
Who is your servant that you should show such kindness uh, to a dead dog like me? <laughs> Radical statement. Now, the Message Bible is pretty deep. It says, shuffling and stammering, not looking him in the eye. Mephibosheth said, who am I that you pay attention to a stray dog like me? The reference to shuffling and stammering, this guy was an invalid. Think about it. Uh, he was crippled. And so he had to drag himself up there. And so I like the translation uh, in, in the Message Bible. It, 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 speaks, it speaks quite a bit to me. Now, Albert Barnes, one of my commentaries, I love Albert Barnes. He's old school. Uh, he speaks about Mephibosheth. Listen to the Hebrew name. Mephibosheth means exterminator of shame or exterminator of idols. Now, there are times in the Hebrew meaning of the name, it means a lot. But in this case, I have no idea uh, why would they name him that. Here's my son, exterminator of shame or exterminator of idols. But Albert Barnes says, humility of expression by this man, even in the mouth of the Middle, Middle Eastern person, uh, is painful. It, it was perhaps in part the result of his helpless lameness and of the other uh, misfortunes of his life. Could it be that Mephibosheth was poor? I mean, could it be that he was being taken care of? And the only reason they put up with him, because they were remembering he was Saul's son. David is going to do better. Look at verse 9. And the king called to Ziba, and Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given uh, to your master's son all that belongs to Saul and to all his house. What a statement. David blessed him. Why? Because of deep love for Saul, his king. I'm reminded of all the times that Saul tried to kill David. Then all the opportunities David had to kill Saul. And he said, I will not touch God's anointed. Then the deep love that David had for Jonathan, and the promise that he made to Jonathan. Now David gets the opportunity. Here's Mephibosheth. I can make it right. Now, nobody said anything ill towards David. David, you shouldn't do that. They respected what David was doing, and I like that. The Bible speaks about taking care of the poor. The Bible speaks about taking care of the hungry. The Bible speaks about taking care of the down and out. The Bible speaks about taking care of uh, the widows and taking care of the orphans. And our church here, I have made it a point, I will try to help pretty much anybody and everybody if humanly possible. And sometimes it's not. And sometimes we've cut a check, and we said, I want to help them. And then some of the leadership say, Pastor Bob, we don't have much in the bank. This is time past. I says, I don't know, but God's put it in my heart. I want to help them. You know that God always replaces it? And listen to me. I'm not a faith and prosperity preacher. You know that. I see it sometimes come a hundredfold, you know? And you can't think in those measures. Give because God calls you to give. I love what we do at Klein Park. I want to keep doing it. I love what we do at, at uh, you know, the Indian Reservation in San Carlos. Uh, Convoy of Hope is coming. A lot of you have signed up. I love what the whole community. Uh, they're expecting 8,000 people. That's going to be a blessing. We're supposed to help. Listen, I heard a preacher, I, I think it was John MacArthur, uh, years ago. If the church, every, if everybody that claims they're born again, everybody that claims they're Christian, if the church were truly to tithe and to give of the offerings that, uh, that belong to the Lord, 
there would not be needed a welfare system. Think about that. Makes a lot of sense. Wouldn't it be beautiful if like here in our community, okay, the churches are going to take care of the poor. And then we screen them, okay? You're walking. You can work. You go to McDonald's. You go to Burger King. Because you're going to find the frauds. There's a lot of people that are getting welfare checks that shouldn't be. And there's people that I know they need it. And I know people, it's been told to me, she got pregnant because that means more money. Our system is not right. Our system is not right. Well, one day it's all going to be gone. Then what are we going to do? Well, they're going to steal. They're going to steal. Notice now, in verse 10, you therefore and your sons and your servants shall work uh, the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest uh, that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Man, David wants to take care of uh, Mephibosheth. Uh, what I see here is what Jesus speaks about in the New Testament. The New Testament speaks about agape love. Agape love is always giving and never wanting anything in return. Remember when Jesus told the disciples, uh, when I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was in prison, did you visit me? When I was naked, did you clothe me? When I needed shelter, did you, did you cover me? They responded, remember? Lord, when were you any of these things? We would have taken care of you. When you did it to the least, you did it unto me. Oh, radical statement. Okay, let's get ready to finish this off now. In verse 11, then, Ziba, uh, or Ziba, whatever way you want to say it, said to the king, according to all that my Lord, uh, the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Wow. I mean, was he poor that he was being taken care of before? But now he's going to sit at the table of the king. And this has to be blowing Mephibosheth away. God has blessed him. God has blessed him. I mean, he didn't have access to his feet, so, you know. But Ziba is in 100% agreement. I like that. Mephibosheth had a young son, verse 12, whose name was uh, Micah. And, and all who dwelled in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So we see here that Mephibosheth was a young man, uh, a young adult with a young son. David has been in reign now for a time. Scholars believe that Mephibosheth is in his 20s, and basically a miracle probably that he's still alive, but now David's going to take care of him. And so in verse 13, the conclusion, so Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both of his feet. Being lame in both of his feet, he was not fit for public office, and I like that, one of the commentaries said, for David's reign, but was treated by the king with utmost respect, love, mercy, and grace. I like that. And so it's important to take care of those that are down and out. And, you know, even when we complain and we say, you know, I don't have much, but... We have more than most. We're blessed. We're blessed. And it's tough because you have panhandlers out there. And it's tough because you have people that uh, are strung out on drugs and they're not working. But, but this is where discernment comes. I don't just give anybody and everybody, when they come right up to me, they're, they're often coming up you know, to the window of the vehicle when I'm parked. And they always have a can of gas, and it's empty. I really need some gas, brother. And I go, okay, follow me to the gas station. Oh, no, 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 give me the money, and I'll, and I'll fill it up. No, 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 you follow me. 
And Pastor Jay filled up this guy's car right here at the church, took him, and when he get there, $2.50. That's all it took. Oh, the gauge must be off. The gauge, you should have hit him with the gauge. But see, they're there. They want, they want to see who's going to give. You know? so, and most people, listen to this, most people give to get them out of the way. And so if they get $100 bills or 100 quarters or 150 cents, you know, think of it, it adds up. These guys are good at it. And when they want, feed them, bring them to the chapel, call me, call one of the guys. The, the pantry is full. We even have meat in the freezer. Be careful. There's charlatans out there. Let's go. I'll buy you a hamburger. Uh, you know, I'd rather have the money for later. Yeah, for later for your vices. I'm not going to support those. There was a guy that was coming to the chapel here, Alex. He passed away. I did the funeral for his mom. And uh, he was notorious panhandler. And I was at the uh, Walgreens over here in El Paseo, and I never go there. Well, that's his stomping grounds. And he comes and knocks on the door, and he doesn't look at me. And he goes, you got a quarter? I need help. I go, Alex, what are you doing? Pastor Bob. <laughs> I go, I'm not going to give you no money. Come on, get in the car. I'm going to take you home. I'll buy you some food. He was. Before Alex passed away, he gave his life back to the Lord. He gave his life back to the Lord. God will remove the body to save the soul. Alex had a couple of beers, got a little bit high, I'm sure. He walked home, and he went through the barrio. He went through St. Genevieve's. His house is only a, about a block from there. He decided to rest by the wall of St. Genevieve. It was one of those winters that we had. It was cold. He froze to death. I believe the Lord took him home because he wasn't going to stop. And praise God. Maybe that's a prayer we need to make. Lord, take my loved one home if they're not going to change. Let them repent at the last minute. And so let's end with a word of prayer. And uh, I'm going to ask uh, JR to come up to the front. And then I'm going to ask you guys, uh, lay hands on him, anoint him with oil. And uh, because he's been going through the chemotherapy and it's just been a, a tremendous battle. So let's all stand. Let's pray. Uh, we also, uh, Hank, I want you to come up so we can pray uh, for you and for Mary. And uh, I received a message from Carlos and, and, uh, and Norma there at the Mayo Clinic, and she's being tested, and uh, it's been difficult because a lot of testing has been going on. But let's pray. Uh, Father, in the precious name of Jesus, I thank you for the teaching, Lord. I thank you for... Uh, the kindness that was shown to Mephibosheth. And Lord, the obvious victories that you gave to David. And David was so thankful. And he dedicated the things that were taken in the spoils unto the Lord. And so, Father, we want to take some time now. And we want to pray for those that are ill, those that are sick, uh, those that we know what they're going through right now, and for JR. And we want to be so thankful, Lord, with Hank, what the Lord's done with Mary and we're we're just in awe, Lord, of your promises, of your holiness, of your righteousness. So it's in Jesus' name we pray. And we all agree by saying amen. Let's get up and get some oil.